When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From the Cookout Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider. Brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. Go to visitmyrtlebeach.com to plan your vacation. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Adam, both here. In the flesh, in Pod World headquarters, ready to pod, fired up the pod because, of course, it's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Party and party and party. Fire senior day tickets. Party that was subconscious i'm trying to get in their subconscious yeah it's like no one even knows what i said just don't even mention it it's but it's just out there wafting in the ether yeah it's like uh it's like the old movie trailers or uh, the commercials before the movies where they'd flash like an ice cold coke with one frame and you wouldn't even know it was there that's right but then i'd need to have a coke yeah sometime later today people may do something and they may not quite know why and but we'll I kind of feel like we should do more of that. Yeah, like I should just be like Adam. That was a heck of a win for the tart cookout of over uh, Syracuse the other day. How do you think we got cookout as a sponsor? <laughs> we never really talked about them. We Jedi mind tricked them. Yeah, this is not the sponsor you're looking for. <laughs> oh, we have a lot to do. We're going to talk about Carolina's win over Syracuse. It was a good win. I think Adam was there. He wasn't allowed to sit next to us like normal, <laughs> but I think he was there. Um, we've got a, I have a, how can you justify that? I don't know if you As do, do I. Oh, a double. I'm worked up. 
<laughs> You've worked into a lather over yeah. there. Um, and uh, we've got a great guest. Do you have a vacation from life? Ooh, I do. Ooh, hold on, I'm thinking if I do. Okay. I don't know. I might. Uh, by I the might. time we get to it, you might have recalled it. Yeah. Um, and we have a great guest, Steve Robinson. Going to join us, Coach Rob. Longtime assistant with Roy Williams, both at Kansas and Carolina. Also a head coach at Tulsa and at Florida State. Am I missing a stop head coach-wise? Wasn't it just Tulsa and Florida State, or was there one so. more in there? I think it was just those two. Um, so we're going to talk to Coach Rob about this year's team, about his relationship with Coach Williams, about uh, recruiting, all kinds of stuff. And so we'll do that coming up in just a little bit. In length of time they've been together, you're not that far off from the Bill Guthridge-Dean Smith relationship. No, yeah, that's right. I mean, there's there's a break in the middle is what makes it different. Yeah. But quantity of years, it's pretty close. And I, you know, I think you'll be interested to learn how he got the job with Coach Williams to start things off. We'll talk about that coming up later when we talk to, to Steve Robinson. But Adam, Carolina picks up a nice road win, a very nice road win. I shouldn't undersell it. Um, at Syracuse on Wednesday night, a game that the Tar Heels really controlled almost the entire time. Until, as Roy Williams has since said, his team kind of went brain dead for eight consecutive possessions where I think all eight of them, and if not all eight, a majority of them, Syracuse was pressing and the Tar Heels would break the press. And then instead of circling it out and burning some clock and trying to get a, a good shot within their offense, they'd go right to the rim and they'd miss. Now, I also think and have since seen some screenshots that suggest that perhaps some whistles could have been blown during that time period where Syracuse was um, maybe getting more than just defending the shot cleanly. But having said all that, Carolina had two turnovers and went 0 of 6 from the field in those eight possessions that allowed Syracuse to tie the game at 74. Um, but then over the final three minutes and seven seconds after Syracuse tied the game, uh, the Tar Heels outscored him, won huge, 4 nothing, and won the game 78-74. So um, a lot of kind of different parts of this game, but in the end, a big victory for the Heels to go to 22-7 and and 11-5 and in league play. In front of a tough crowd. Biggest crowd to see an on-campus, biggest on-campus crowd to see a college basketball game this year, over 27,000. And way back when the Tar Heels went to play Tennessee, we said this will help at some point. And I thought last night was one of those points because when the Tar Heels were in the process of basically freaking out all over the Carrier Dome court, it would have been easy to just end the game that way. I mean, you, you've seen a lot of games in that way where one team loses their mind and the, the home team rides the momentum and comes back and just takes it from them. But Carolina refused to let that happen and, and stayed poised enough to get the win. That was a important timeout that Roy Williams called and he later said he called it to get Luke May in the game because um, Sterling Manley who played probably his best game of the season when you consider the production and the competition level and I mean he had bigger numbers in the game earlier against Bucknell but this one Bucknell um, so I think Sterling had a great game but was also uh, having a tough time there in those final couple minutes so I thought it was a very well-timed timeout by Roy Williams, even though his team didn't score immediately coming out of that timeout, but um, it did seem to at least calm things down a little bit. And I thought I thought Carolina handled the zone well enough. Like, I, I didn't feel like the problems were because the Tar Heels didn't know what to do against the zone. 
and what a display of passing and ball movement to basically carve it up. I mean, when Carolina was executing what they were trying to do, they played about as well as you can play against that. And Carolina's done that a couple times now at the Carrier Dome where they've just dissected it. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Theo Pinson really, not now he wasn't the only one, but I mean, he had seven assists and really did a nice job with some of those high post to low post passes where I remember Cameron Johnson had an easy layup. Luke May had an easy uh, layup on the back end of some of those. And um, in fact, Adam, it's going to be our UNC Healthcare Know Your Stats for this game brought to, you my UN, uh, brought to you by my UNC chart. Keep track of your stats with my UNC chart. You can visit myuncchart.org to sign up. Um, Carolina had 25 assists on 29 made field goals. Second highest of the season as far as percentage of field goals made that were assisted and really did a nice I mean you look Pinson seven assists Cam Johnson three four for May four for Barry four for Kenny Williams Sterling Manley had two assists in the game Seventh Woods had an assist so um really did a nice job I thought that was the difference in the game in the in the total was Carolina's ability to pass the ball you mentioned Sterling Manley there and also talked about him before one thing he did that surprised me a little that, like, we've seen him do some good things, but this had not really been one of them prior to last night. He got the ball in the middle of the zone a couple times, and you kind of thought, uh-oh, I'm not sure that's where the Tarles want the ball to go, and handled it okay. Like, it wasn't the most fluid thing, but you could tell his instincts were right, and he didn't immediately turn the ball over. And I, I think he's more than just throwing the ball on the low block and he may make a move. I think there's even more there than that, which that would be plenty in the Carolina offense but I think there's even more there with him. That's kind of Sterling Manley, though, in total, right? What you just said, like it's it's not always 100% how right. you think it's going to go or right. maybe the prettiest thing in the world, but somehow it ends up being effective a fair amount of the time. Important news. I'm ready. I asked him about the video of, oh, the, of the Louisville oh. guy. What did he say? Well, I'm hoping he's going to come talk to us about it in person. He thinks it may be a misunderstanding. That's all I'm going to say right now. All right. Yeah. And hopefully hopefully he'll come talk to us about it. But he thinks maybe, maybe in this case, Jones, the eye in the sky did lie. Oh, baby. Oh, boy. But every, that would be the first time. Everything I know is now yeah. turned upside down. Yeah, that would be the first time. Maybe nuts aren't really tough little. <laughs> Adam, uh... Another fantastic game by Theo Pinson, who is playing at an extraordinarily high level right now for the Tarios. He's just doing everything. Yeah. I mean, he, I have absolutely no stats to back this up, but I feel like when he gets within three or four feet of the rim, it's going in the basket every time. He finished one, it must have been the first half because it was at the opposite end last night. And he was almost kind of falling out of bounds and sort of at a weird angle to the rim and kind of chucked it up sideways and somehow got it to go in. Yeah. I don't know how he does that. And some of the spin he puts on the ball when he gets it up on the glass, I mean, he, he is turning into a really good finisher and making it rain from three-point land like we all knew he could. You know, he came off the floor limping a little bit. Oh. And he had this look on his face that uh -huh. was very pained. And I told I was talking to Doug Halverson after the game, Carolina's trainer. I said, Doug, I, my heart can't take it when Theo goes off the court with that look on his face. And Doug said, it's okay. He said, look at my face. He said, my face is a more accurate representation of how hurt Theo is. I said, okay, that's a good rule to follow. 
Well, but you, I don't know if you could see this. His dad went back there too. Oh, I didn't when know Theo that. went back in the back with uh, with Doug Halverson, the, like the locker room was right there. Oh, I'm glad I didn't know that. So they were back there, and all of a sudden, I see Mister Pinson get out of his seat and start walking back there, and I, like I was distraught. <laughs> yeah, you should have. I was like, where Where is he going? <laughs> Why is he going back there? Everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> and then, like, luckily, before we had to resuscitate me, all three of them came out together. I was like, okay. All right, we're fine. Play on. Let's go. Adam, it's hard to know how to feel about the Tar Heels defensively coming out of this game. They played really well, I thought, in the first half, and the numbers bear that out. But then Syracuse was really hard to stop in the second half. Some of that, I think, is Syracuse has really talented individual guys. I mean, they're, I don't think they have as many good players as they want right now, but Tyus Battle is tough to stop. Now, he ended up with 26 points, but he also took 23 shots to get them. But, yeah, he's it's tough to stop his drive. You know, Frank Howard was on fire from outside. He was 5 of 10 from 3. And uh, Brissett is a really big, talented freshman. Um, those guys individually, I think, are difficult to stop, and I think they can get hot and do that against anybody. Um and yet, it felt like there was just drive after drive after drive after drive in the second half, and the Tar Heels struggled to slow that down. It it seemed like it was so much one-on-one. Yeah, a lot of one-on-one. And Howard got crazy hot there for a little while. He made a couple jump shots that were ridiculous. But I thought it was telling that when he was really feeling it, he tried to put on that like dribbling exhibition like he was on the Harlem Globetrotters. Right. And Kenny Williams just kind of stood there and looked at him, and he eventually traveled. Yeah. And I think that's what you have to hope they do to themselves eventually. But that's the kind of team I would not want to play in the NCAA tournament. Like five drivers, no real clear sets that anyone can see other than whoever has the ball and decides they're going to go, they're going. Yeah. Carolina's got a hard time stopping that sometimes. And so either A, improve, or B, hope for a more favorable draw. Adam, anything else from 78-74 Tar Heels over the Cuse? Um, Felt good I, for Andrew Playtech. Came back home, had uh, five points. Didn't play a ton, but had five points in four minutes. Hit a big three in the first half. I thought it was interesting that Roy Williams said he was glad his team got to play against Syracuse's full court pressure. Yeah. Because... It was weird how you felt about it. like Carolina handled it fine. Yeah. The the pressure itself. But it was like when they crossed half court, they just went crazy. Like, ah, we've done it. Let's just go straight to the rim to celebrate. Yeah. Who cares if Chuku is standing there? Yeah. Let's just go. Yeah. So I don't know how to feel about that, but I'm sure he's right. He usually is, that it's good that the Tariels got to see that at all. It was interesting when it I when it was called for the first time. I felt like like the bat signal had been thrown up because all five yeah. Syracuse players, like in this real choreographed motion, like like puffed their chest out and marched down to the backcourt, and all twenty seven thousand plus Syracuse fans were like, "Yes, <laughs> here comes the pressure." We didn't mention Joe Barry's awesome play, yeah, where he basically. Won the game. He just yeah. took the ball away from Chuku. Yeah. Went and laid it up in between two dudes. I got an email in the last couple of weeks from a, a gentleman who said, I wish you'd stop writing about Joel Barry. 
Oh, boy. Probably not. I'm probably not going to stop writing about Joel Berry unless he decides he wants to stop winning the game. Right. By just taking the ball from the big man and then going down and, like, dribbling past two guys and laying it up while they're trying to block a shot. If he would stop doing those things. That reminds me, we've had this... Well, I feel like we've had this tweet sitting in the queue for a long time, but it, it really hadn't been that long. But it was sent to us by uh, Brett Hickman, and it is of his son, Henry. And this is what... Baby, he loves your baby, baby. He loves your baby, baby. Yeah, see? Henry knows what's yeah. up. Henry understands. Yeah. We all do, Henry, except for that one guy. But yeah. who really cares about him? I thought the Tar Heels, sometimes it's the most basic like basketball thing that you can do. I thought the way they used the shot fake against Syracuse was really important because it would make the zone move or open a passing lane. I, I bet a high percentage of those 25 assists came after a shot fake in some form or fashion. Old school, Jones. That's how the Tar Heels roll. They were in the triple threat position. Yeah, that's right. Jab step. Yeah. 78-74, Tar Heels get a big win. But I tell you, man, it's... And Carolina needs all these wins for the double bye. It's it not even locked up yet. You feel like it should be, but it's not. Do you think anyone cares about the double bye as much as we do? Because I care a lot. Oh, I care a lot. I think, well, I, it just, I mean, above everything else, it gives you the best chance to be successful. It doesn't mean you can't win the tournament. Duke did that last year winning four times. But it just gives you the best chance to, to win it. You don't want to have to play on Wednesday if you don't have to. It's getting tight up there around the three and four spots. Yeah. I mean, you have Virginia Tech, Clemson, and State who are all nine and six. So we'll know more after this upcoming weekend. State's got an easy schedule. Yeah, they do. It's easy. Well, they got Florida State on Sunday. See how that goes. That's the only one they might lose. Yeah, at Georgia Tech and then Louisville who just seems to be done. Well. Yeah. I mean, they've had a lot go on here. (laughs) They've got a lot on their minds. Which, by the way, I don't know the right answer to this. But taking the banner down, I mean, it's like the the punishment is just to embarrass them, right? right? I mean, like, what does it really do other than embarrass them? I just don't get it. But I, and again, I don't, I'm going to talk out of the other side of my mouth. I mean, I don't really know the right answer. Because you could punish him moving forward, but that's not necessarily fair to the guys on the team currently, unless you wanted to say all of you can transfer, which would be pretty severe. Um, I, I just don't know the right answer for a situation like that. Could they, if they wanted to, put up a banner that said 2013 best team? I, I, my understanding is they could put up a banner if they wanted, that said 2013 national champions. It just can't say NCAA or Final Four. So, I mean, they could even be like 2012 national semifinalist if they wanted, I think. Now, I mean, obviously some people would look poorly on that, but I don't think it would be against what their punishment as a member of the NCAA, I don't think it would be against that, if I understand all that correctly. I'll tell you one of the dumbest things. This could be my how can you justify that, but oh, it's not. Oh, okay. But it... But it's how I feel. The idiots, and that's the only possible word, who go on television and other communication mediums and say, well, it looks like the NCAA got so mad at North Carolina that they punished Louisville. That is dumb. You know what? Yes. Every 
every case is different. And everything that happened at Syracuse or that happened at Louisville has nothing to do with what happened at Carolina. And Adam, I'm starting to take this approach because I did a couple interviews um, and a lot of, I got asked the question of, well, how, yo, tell us why this happened. I think now I'm tired of defending the NCAA's decision. Like Carolina somehow needs to defend the fact that what it argued the entire time was what ultimately came to be. So it just comes down to this. Look, the NCAA tried, and you and I both know, they tried to find something that they could punish Carolina with. They couldn't do it. The end. It's just the end. One of my other favorite arguments is when people go, oh, well, Carolina's lawyers are the only reason why they didn't get in trouble. Isn't that what they're supposed to do? Like, should Carolina apologize? I'm sorry, guys. We didn't get bad lawyers. We got these good lawyers who knew what they were doing and were capable of performing their jobs. I'm sorry. I apologize. And does that mean Louisville's lawyers aren't any good? No. I doubt it. No. I, mean, I doubt it. They're, they're different cases. The Syracuse and the Carolina cases are very clear. No matter what they want to say, and Jim Beheim wants to say, they're different cases. By the way, Jim Beheim, do you need an entrance video? Yes. He needs his own entrance yeah, video? Yeah, you got to have his own. And you just thought that. All right. Carolina Insider Podcast brought to you by our friends at Myrtle Beach. Visit MyrtleBeach.com. It's going to help you make the most of your stay on the coast so you can have the best vacay ever. How would you have the best vacay on the coast, Adam? Would you would you play putt-putt? Would you oh, yeah, lounge sure. on the beach? Yeah, would, yeah. You, would you hit the strip? Uh, probably not. Um, I'd probably lay in the hammock. Mm-hmm. I'm a big hammock guy. I'm I'm trying to acquire a taste for the beach. I'd go out there for a little while, but I don't I don't like cooking myself. <laughs> I'm a little more fair skinned. Right. Oh yeah. Come on now. I I get burned in like less than a half hour. Oh yeah. Uh, but there would definitely be some putt putt because, and I'd probably invite Bo Ryan to yeah, play. Yeah, you guys are putt putt boys. Yeah, we'd be my partner. All right, Adam. Before we get to how can you justify that, I would like to revisit something we talked about on the first pod this week. Oh, I thought you were going to say the first pot ever. The first pot ever. <laughs> Adam, I'd like to revisit something we talked about in the first pot ever. Hello? What is this thing? Uh, can anyone hear me? Can you imagine when our wives hear this? Uh, we're not getting any phone calls. Does that mean no one's out there? Um, it is the Our Blue is Best Challenge, Carolina. Yeah. Remember this through the Rams Club. Yes. We talked about this the other day mm-hmm. where... Challenge between the Iron Dukes at Duke, Rams Club here at Carolina. And if you join the Rams Club during this time period between the two games uh, between Carolina and Duke, then you give them a point in this uh, in this battle. And for every $100 raised, if I understand it correctly, then it is another point for the respective places. So, Adam, as a pod listener... Mm. If this is something you want to help out with, which we strongly encourage. Yes. Remember, $100 for a year's uh, Rams Club membership. $25 if you're a student. I know we have some student listeners. $25. Bucks. You can be a student Rams. And you've, it's a good thing to do because you start, you start your wheel moving early. Yeah. You get, and you, you keep those points you get as yeah. a student Ram right. when you're a regular person Ram. Right. So there is a way that pod listeners can easily be a part of this, Adam. Okay. 
All you have to do, take out your little phone. You got a mobile phone over there, Adam? Yeah, I got seen, my you cellular seen one device. Of these before? Yeah, okay, I'm ready. Flip it open. All right. <laughs> you can just text the word POD okay. to 515-55. POD to 515-55. You're going to do that, and you get a link sent back to you that you can just click right there. And you can help out with the Rams Club Battle of the Blue, Our Blue is Best Challenge. I just did it. Yeah, awesome. Did you get the link? I did. All right, so you're going to get the link, and now Adam can uh, either, if Adam is already in the Rams Club, then he could give (laughs) directly to the Our Blue is Best Challenge if he wanted to. Or if he was not in the Rams Club, he could join uh, by navigating this cyberspace that you are sent by texting pod to 51555. 51555. <laughs> now, if you ever wanted to, once you did that, if you wanted to stop communication, didn't want that communication with the Rams Club anymore, boom, you can just you can just text stop to the same number and you're out. I clicked my link and it gave me an updated scoreboard for the Our Blue is Best Challenge. How's it going? Tariels are up. 101.96, but we know how Duke can hit the threes. Yeah, it's tight. So the Tar Heels need some more. But new members were crushing them. Yeah. 45-18, because yeah. nobody wants to join them. Yeah. So do us a favor. Help us out. It's going to help us. Even if, even if you don't necessarily feel like you may give to this challenge, it would help us if you texted POD to 515-55. Because if we only get one person right then they're gonna know that was me because i just said it yeah so do us a solid text pod to five one five 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 and do us an even double solid double solid give us give a little bit to the our blue is best challenge doesn't have to be a hundred dollars it can be any amount of money help us out all right adam are you ready for some how can you justify that <sighs> yeah i do not have to justify how can you justify what you've done? How do you justify? How can you possibly justify that? Would you like to go first or me? Either one's fine. So it is after the Syracuse game, Adam. <laughs> and I tweeted about this. Oh, okay. And I told you about this oh, yeah. right when it happened. Yeah. This guy is back behind where we were doing the broadcast. And he's like, Jay, Jay, Billis, Jay, hey, Jay, 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 Jay. I mean, it was like on repeat, Jay, hey, hey, Billis, hey, Jay, Jay. And so finally I looked at him and like the look on his face when he realized I wasn't Jay Billis was really disappointing to him. I really let him down by not being Jay Billis. Um, but what I can justify was the awesome response that Jay Billis sent me on Twitter when I sent this out. I told, I was like, yeah, this dude was, thought I was Jay Billis. And, uh, and so, uh, Jay sent me a tweet back that said, you must look fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was funny. But anyway, uh, that's part one of my post Syracuse. How can you justify that? Here's post two. Let me tell you something, Adam. (laughs) 
And in fact, hold on. I need, there's a tweet that's going to back me up on this that we received. It was from Matthew McDonald, pod listener, faithful pod listener. Not Michael McDonald, the smooth right. jazz singer, no. but Matthew McDonald. Says, not sure who else to tell this to, but Coach Williams' post-game press conference after Syracuse <laughs> sounds like it's being held in the kitchen of a restaurant. <laughs> Pretty sure I heard some dishes being loaded into the washer at one point. Matthew, thank you for the feedback. And I'm going to tell you why it's that way. It's Jim Beheim's fault. It really is. So Jim Beheim refuses to let the opposing coach go before him in the postgame press conference. But he takes forever to get there and then to do it. And so this caused some major problems a couple trips ago from the Tar Heels. Um, That'll be a good story one day. One day, Adam. That day is not today. (laughs) Um, so it caused some major problems a couple years ago when the Tar Heels first went as a member of the ACC. I think it was 2013. Uh, when they went back in 16, Carolina, uh, Syracuse gave Carolina this little room, like a little extra press conference set up, and it was great. And so Coach Williams could just go in there when he was ready, but that room, for whatever reason, was not available this time. So Coach Williams was essentially slammed up against a wall in the tunnel where Carolina would go back to its locker room. And I was right next to him. And then there was like 50 people all squished around us, including some guy. And God bless local TV folks. And they work hard and it's not an easy job. But this guy's trying to get the sound and shoot the camera at the same time. And that's hard to do. I've done it before. It's not easy. But so he's got this big boom mic and he's like, he's shooting the camera so he can't really see what's going on. And he's like, just trying to get the mic. And if you could see me, I'm like a drunk three musketeer trying to do like a sword fight, right? He's just like loosey goosey. I don't know how Eric would describe the pasta level of my arm, but he's all over the place like with the mic. And so eventually like he gets it. He gets it incredibly uncomfortably close to Roy Williams' face. Like, it, it was millimeters from his face. And, like, Coach Williams, but Coach Williams, like, doesn't have anywhere to go because he's got people all on every side and his back's up against the wall. And he keeps, like, trying to back his head up a little bit, like, away from the mic. But it's, like, right here, like, in his face. So, and by the way, there are some always low-key, almost fights between local media folks yes. in those kind of scrums. Yeah. Like one, uh, Robert Willett, who's a terrific photographer at one point, he's like, oh. he's like, you keep moving your camera. <laughs> he's like, you just keep moving forward. I try to get the photo. You just keep moving in my way. But like, yeah, Robert, tell him what up. So anyway, Matthew, I understand your concern. I appreciate the feedback. You sent it to the right place, but that's how I can justify it. But the other folks can't justify it. Robert Willett was still hot about that like 10 minutes later. Good. And Robert is not a hot. He, he's, he's not a hothead. One of the he's yeah. a courtly gentleman of photography. Yeah. Oh yeah. But he was like, I mean, that guy doesn't even cover the team. <laughs> he was angry. Yeah. And if Robert Willett is angry, I also am angry. And I also would like something to be justified. Oh, Adam, what is it? It's the fact that. The world at large continues to try to want me to act like Syracuse is in New York City. 
By the way, just so you get a feel for this, Adam, when he started this, had to look up at the ceiling. I was trying to compose myself. Yeah, yeah, like very clearly to keep your act yeah. together. I'm trying to get my it. emotions under control. Adam, they're New York City, Steve. They're not. I looked it up, okay? Syracuse, if you drive from the Carrier Dome to Rockefeller Plaza. Yeah, oh yeah. Four and a half hours. Hmm. If you drive from Syracuse to Montreal, Ooh. four hours, five minutes. They speak French in Montreal. Go catch an Expos oh. game. Syracuse, you're France's team. Okay, let's put this in a little different context. Maybe you've never been to any of those places. Okay. By the way, I think you say Syracuse weird. I say Syracuse. You say Syracuse. That's right. That's the right way to say I'm it. I'm just telling Syrac- you. I think that's weird. Syracuse is the right way. From the Smith Center to Charleston, South Carolina. Lovely gym on the coast. Four hours and 40 minutes. From the Smith Center to Washington, D.C. Four hours, 10 minutes. We're Carolina's D.C.'s team. Carolina, the nation's capital team. But people in Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. Act like that. North Carolina people are these country bumpkins who have somehow latched up the covered wagon and gone up there to Syracuse to play old game of the peach baskets. And like they're so much better than everybody because they're from New York City. Well, I'm going to tell you something. New York City? Get a rope. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something, Syracuse people. There you go. Syracuse. Doesn't even sound right. It was the most interesting weather I've ever experienced uh, on this trip. It quite literally was 70 degrees at about 9 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday morning. By tip time, 35 maybe. I mean, the temperature dropped close to 40 degrees during the day. But Andrew Playtech was asked about this, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's just how it is up here. That's crazy. I don't think I can handle that. I know I couldn't, nor would I want to, nor would I live in this other city and try to claim myself as being part of this metropolis that somehow extends in a five-hour radius around it, encompassing everything that it touches. That's not New York City. I know that for some odd reason you played your home games at Madison Square Garden a couple times a year back in the Pearl Washington era and Derek Coleman. That, that does, I, I bet you there's recruits who go to Syracuse there you go. and get there and are like, wait a minute, where where's the big buildings? Where what Where's the Empire State Building? Don't we play right down the street from that? Here for the Orange? Syracuse is a fine place, as is Syracuse. The people are very nice, for the most part. But I, I'm not buying this other nonsense and i do not believe that it can be justified jay jay hey jay jay hey jay (laughs) how can you justify that adam's blood pressure rising brought to you by circle k circle k prides itself on providing customers what they need when they need it you could go get a uh go get a ice cold coca-cola adam they'll cool you off okay you know what else cool y'all little vacay from life. That's right. Brought to you by Pinehurst Resort. Home of the cradle, the new fun nine-hole short course. I don't know if we can call it new anymore. Been with us all year. Yeah. The established 
fun nine-hole short course. Adam, what you got? I sat near the Playtech family last night. Oh. When, so there was Mr. Playtech, who's a very jovial fellow, and several friends and other family of Andrew Playtechs, and then his mom and grandmother were kind of on the concourse level because his grandmother uh, needed to sit up there so she didn't have to walk down all the stairs, of course. And she is a Syracuse grad who was wearing a Carolina shirt. Oh, yeah. And it was so fun because Andrew Playtech came in the game and almost immediately hit a three and then scored on sort of a little floater uh, after Theo Pinson had gotten an offensive rebound, I think. Um, and the reaction from all of them when he made that three, like it was just like what you or I would do when our kid made a shot in like a YMCA game. Yeah. And it was so fun to remember that, oh, like we yell at them when they're on the court and think they do the wrong things and say, oh, how can they justify taking that shot or whatever? But that's somebody's kid, and they're really happy when they do something good. And it was just fun to get to see them enjoy it. Um, and uh, Mr. Playtech said that's just the fourth time they've seen Andrew play this year. They came to the three games in five days, which means they went to state, so they're gutsy. And, um, and that was the fourth game. So playing about two and a half hours from home, and it was great to see him have a good game and then uh, get harshly criticized by Kenny Williams after the game. Yeah, your uh, your column focused on Kenny Williams giving the business to Andrew Playtech, huh? Yeah. Well, for his fashion choices. Right. Yeah. It was. I mean, it was an interesting ensemble. But as you said, that Andrew Playtech said, you can wear shorts when it's thirty nine when you're from New York. It's yeah. no big deal. Yeah. Adam, I think we need to give uh, a what up. Actually, I have uh, I have two what ups. Okay. One, I actually wrote this down because I wanted to remember to give this what up during the week. Uh, Tariel tennis player William Bloomberg mm. ranked number one in the nation yeah. now in singles. Yep. What up, William? Congratulations, brah. Um, and then a what up to our friend Marty Ray. Marty went on a meme explosion after the Tariel victory over Syracuse. And I have to say it was some quality work. Yeah, it really was. I had a hard time deciding which one was my favorite. I really enjoy. So I can't remember what play it was, but it resulted in this great shot of the bench, mostly of Brooks, Seventh Woods. Garrison Brooks, Seventh Woods, and Brandon Huffman, like making these ridiculous faces and being excited. Um, so Marty Ray took these, and in particular, I enjoyed the one of Huffman, where uh, B. Huff is uh, like flexing and has this stank look on his face, and the one where it says, "When Adam sees the Creighton Blue Jay," that was probably my favorite one. That was good. That was good. So Marty Ray, uh, what up, sir, for your fine meme work? Adam, do you have a list? Do you have anything else to do before we get to our conversation with Steve Robinson? No, I would like to hear from Coach Robinson. Oh, well, Adam, good news. We can do that right now. Let's talk to Tariel assistant, Coach Rob. We are very fortunate to have landed here at the bye weekend and have here in the Pod World headquarters. He, he squeezed out some time for us. I think it was Nate Britt who referred to him as Mr. Smooth last year, Steve Robinson, a.k.a. Mr. Smooth. Um, really appreciate him making some time for us. Of course, 
been here with Coach Williams for, for 15 years and also head coach at Florida State and a long career in coaching. And Coach, also coming off the big win in Syracuse uh, earlier this week, uh, how are you feeling about the, how the Tar Heels are playing right now? Uh, feeling well. I mean, uh, the way we've been playing, you know, how we got here, um, it's always encouraging to see the team kind of kind of mold and change shapes throughout the course of the year. And, you know, it's a, it's about hurdles, and you have to overcome those hurdles, got to jump those hurdles. And throughout the course of the season, you know, we had a stretch where we weren't playing well. And, you know, I've, I've always said this, and uh, even back when I was at Florida State, that in the ACC, if you lose one game, sometimes it can lead to two, and two can lead to three. And then, you know, before you know it, you're in a big tailspin, and you're trying to fight desperately to kind of get it stopped. And uh, uh, and sometimes that's what happens. And, you know, one of the things, uh, uh, we got it stopped, we got it turned around, and we've kind of found some success. And the guys understand the urgency, because I think if you think about it, uh, one of the buzzwords we used a lot when we weren't playing as well is a sense of urgency, not playing with a sense of urgency. Well, you know, we haven't used that here recently. It hadn't come up as much because we are playing with a greater sense of urgency in, in everything that we do, offensively, defensively, and uh, uh, and it shows. And I think that is such a big, big key to your teams is having that urgency to play, to react, and, and then be able to make plays when you have to make plays. It feels like the offense has been the consistent during this run of quality play from Carolina. I know it didn't shoot great the second half at Syracuse, but what what has allowed, in your opinion, this higher level of efficient offense and, and the way you guys have been able to score here in the last couple of games? Well, we hadn't turned the ball over as much. You know, we've gone through a stretch earlier where uh, I thought we were turning the ball over and uh, – you know, that hurts your rhythm of your offense and that and all of a sudden you have two empty possessions and you never got that rhythm. But uh, we seem to be in a much better rhythm and sharing the basketball and, and guys are making the shots now. And, you know, confidence breeds confidence. and Confidence to make that pass, confidence to make that shot, you know, confidence to make that play. And that's the way our team has continued to grow. And I think it's uh, – uh, you do. You kind of find a little bit of a stride, and then we we seem to be in a good stride right now. Theo Pinson is not a point guard, but it seems like when he's on the floor, the offense works better. What what is it about what he does that makes the offense work better? Theo has savvy. You know, he has great basketball instincts, great basketball savvy, and he can move the basketball. He can direct people. Uh, you know, he, he may be guilty sometimes of overthinking it sometime and thinking where this guy should be. And, uh, you know, that guy's not on the same page, but he does have great savvy and uh, his ability to direct traffic. And, you know, it, if there was the, the point forward, he's become the point forward uh, of our team in, in terms of moving the basketball and willing to have it, uh, have the ball in his hands a lot. And, you know, and it, and it's good. It's compliment to the Joel Berries of the world who easily transition without the basketball and still make shots. And, uh, and you know, he just finds a way to, to keep our basketball team in a good flow and a good rhythm. Was there a conversation this year that the staff had with him where somebody said to him, Theo, we need you to do these things? Because it seems like play it, it's changed. Harder. The, the conversation was you have to play harder, be more involved. You know, we've always wanted him to be involved. You know, and early on, I think he 
even let's go back to last year. I think that times last season he deferred so much about his game, um, offensively, defensively. He just kind of deferred and you know and allowed those other guys to play. And he was just kind of happy being a part of the team. And uh, you know now all of a sudden this season came around and we needed Theo to take a bigger step with his play, with his effort, and in uh, his involvement in the game. And you know he got involved and. And what he is now, he's finding out, boy, this is fun. And you know what? The more involved in the game I am, the more success we're having and, and the more involved he becomes. Coach, I was talking to Coach Williams uh, a little bit about senior day coming up for Theo and Joel and, and the other guys. And, and he almost got emotional talking about it. He said, people will never know how truly valuable those guys were. Talking about Joel Berry and Theo Pinson. He said, I think everybody can see on the court how much value they have. He said, but I don't know, unless you're inside the program, he said, you're just not going to know how much value those guys have brought to Carolina basketball. As someone, obviously, inside the program, what what is it about those two guys, the time period that they've been here, what is it about them that have made that have made those two so valuable to, to Carolina basketball? Well, obviously, you know, our winning uh, and they contributing to our winning has been huge. Sure. Uh, but, but you know, here's here's a group of guys that uh, came when we were right getting started with all the the junk and all the whirl and swirling. And, you know, they very easily could have listened to all the naysayers out there and jump shipped and decided they wanted to go somewhere else. But, you know, they believed in Coach Williams. They believed in the program. And, and they stuck to things, and they stuck to their commitment to the university, to to our basketball program, to our basketball team. And with that, you know, they forever etched themselves, especially in our minds, as the kind of kids that are true Carolina basketball players. They give a, um, they give their heart and soul to the to the basketball team, and. The, for the good of the basketball team, you know, Joe Barry decides to come back, and here's a guy who's the MVP of the uh, the Final Four, and he decides he wants to come back, and you know, and, and you know, Theo Pinson, I had I've broken a bone in my foot once, twice, and I, you know, I, I still want to play, and I still want to be involved, and you know, they've given so much to us and to all our fans, the excitement, the fun, the joy, the the enthusiasm of playing the game, and what they've contributed to our basketball program. It's, it's really immeasurable um, the worth that they have uh, provided uh, all of us uh, from day one to now. You mentioned the NCAA stuff. Coach Williams has been very forward in that, you know, he took it very personally and felt like people were challenging his, uh, the way that he did things. Well, they were. Right. And, and I, <laughs> so I'd just be interested, you know, you're the exact same way. You've done it a long time and you've done it the right way. I just, how did you handle all of that personally when you were hearing some of those things about about Carolina basketball? Well, I hated it. I hated that they would try to lump us into that um, situation. Um, you know, um, the head coach gets all the uh, gets all the blame or he gets all the credit and, you know, and I hate that for him because I know how um, deep, deeply passionate he is about the university, how deeply passionate he is about uh, Carolina basketball. You know, you're not going to find many people, if any, that care more about the Carolina basketball than what he does. Sure. And, they, you know, in talking about an investment, I know a lot of fans talk about how invested they are in the university, but I'm telling you, uh, here's a guy who's <laughs> invested heart, soul, 
day in, day out, 24 hours, seven days a week. Um, you know, it's not like going to the water cooler and talk about it. This is a guy that's 24 hours, seven days a week when he can't sleep, which he never does anyway. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he is the guy that uh, is responsible and, and, and takes that as a personal challenge every, each and every day. You know, what can he do to help this basketball program be the best basketball program he can from uh, secretaries to staff to maintenance to whomever that has a uh, you guys <laughs> you know he he way wants down it, in oh, the barrel, man, we got it now. we got it all but <laughs> but that's what he that's what he's about and and that's why he invests so much in it and uh every, for every player you know past present future he's you know, going to give them their his heart and soul what do you think are, are some of the details that he is invested in program-wide that, that might surprise people uh, and maybe even surprised you when you first got to know him, but that also kind of kind of make him as successful as he is? This is a small thing. Seating assignments. He does tickets on the road, you know, and, and in terms of just trying to make sure that the parents got these seats, okay, the seniors – the junior, the parents that come to the games on the road, you know, he's going to stuff envelopes, uh, put the tickets in there and making sure that these, uh, that the tickets are right. And, you know, we've been in the game getting ready to go play a game and the tickets got all screwed up one time, right? <laughs> the seat chart was wrong and we had them. Next time I know we're out there before while the team's warming up and we're, uh, hey, you need to go down here and sit. And he moved his wife to another row. And I mean, I'm like, Oh, got it, you know, but that's him, and that's what he uh, he wants to, you know, he's gonna handle that part of it and know and uh, uh, making sure that, that he's got those situated where he's got those parents in the in the proper seats. Adam mentioned your time at Florida, <clears throat> excuse me, at Florida State, of course, also head coach at Tulsa, very successful there as well. Is that chapter of your life done as far as head coach, or is that something that you still still think about that you may want to do? Oh, it's not done. You know, it's it's about opportunity more so than what sure. I feel. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm i excited about coaching. I love where I'm at. I love, you know, being around Coach Williams and uh, and this program and anything that I can do to try to help uh, ease, ease his mind a little bit, then that's fine. And, uh, uh, you know, if the opportunity comes, so be it. If not, I'm all right. I'm good with it. I'm. I enjoy this uh, uh, this ride that I'm on, and uh, I enjoy the players that we've brought into this program and the personalities. And you know, it's a it's a good thing. And uh, I just try to do the best and take care of one day at a time. You and Coach Williams have been around each other in some form or fashion for for quite some time. Do you remember the first time you met him? And and if so, what'd you think? Well, let me tell you the first time I really met Coach Williams was right here in Chapel Hill, the day I interviewed for the position. Uh, you know, long story short, uh, um, he had hired Jerry Green, um, and so then all of a sudden, um, Jerry Green, who was used to be the head coach at UNC Asheville when I was a uh, assistant coach at Radford, so we kind of met each other a little bit that way, and I happened to talk to Jerry uh, in an event, and uh, he he hooked me up with Coach, and Coach said he was going to be packing up his boxes, going to Kansas. And uh, he said, yeah, I got about 30 minutes, and if you want to come down to Chapel Hill. And I happened to be in North Carolina on a recruiting trip. And um, so I drove from Charlotte here, 
and uh, sat in his office while he was packing it up. So a 30-minute interview turned out to be a, an hour interview. And then a couple of days later, he um, offered me the job. So, and, you know, a lot of people would tell you that, uh, and he would tell you that Coach Smith told him he shouldn't hire anybody he didn't know. And so I was like, oh, man, I got no chance. And uh, <laughs> uh, But he went with a gut. He went with a gut instinct, as he says it, that uh, uh, and he gave me a chance. And so we've been together for a long time. We kind of kind of like two brothers as much as we've been in, in many battles and wars and things that we've been in through, together. Uh, it's been great. It's been an absolutely great uh, uh, partnership. What has made that relationship work for so long? I mean, it's rare for, for – somebody to be together like you two have for, for so long in the coaching profession? Well, you know, I, I, I think I'm a, a dutiful kind of guy that you give me a task, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to try to do it to the best of my ability. And uh, I liked recruiting, you know, and so I got started in the recruiting aspect where I kind of uh, got on the road and, you know, we had some success that way. And I made sure that I crossed my T's and dotted my I's and, in those things, and it just kind of fell into place. And I love coaching. I have an enthusiasm for uh, for coaching the game. And the longer I stayed with him, the more opportunities that he gave me. And uh, and hopefully he was been pleased with the work I've done and the production that I've been able to uh, provide. And uh, that just kind of continued to build a relationship. I think a lot of people have sort of rewritten history and wrongly think when when y'all came back to Carolina that everything was great and you just stepped in and just kept things going great. And it's been easy. Um, when, when you look back at these last 15 years, what are you most proud of that, that you as a staff have been able to accomplish with Carolina basketball? I, I think our sustained success uh, over the 15 years, you know, conference championships, final fours, uh, uh, and competing at a high level uh, pretty much every year that we have had, you know, it's interesting that, uh this year at this point um that he in his first 15 years at uh Kansas he won 418 games and then all of a sudden in 15 years here he's won 418 games to me that's the model of consistency uh that just goes without and you know what he's doing it the same way we did from the first time we walked in in uh, 1988 that he's doing it now and it's just a consistency that uh uh he demands and he respects from or expects from all, all of his players, coaches, and everybody else involved with the program. What were those first, those early days at Kansas like? <laughs> you already started laughing around and said those early days at Kansas, just what, you know, trying to get that program back to, to where it was used to be and just what, what were those early years like? Well, you know, they, they won a national championship in 88. Right. And all of a sudden they were hit with probation with from the previous staff. So, you know, we're fighting battles there. Now, he's a little bit more fiery than what he is now, um, you know, but just a smidgen. You know, every once in a while, you, you know, you, you get it out of him. I said, mm-hmm, I've seen that one before. <laughs> um, but, whoo, I mean, you know, he got after people, and he coached those kids hard, and they played hard. And, uh, you know, I see that he's the same guy. I mean, he is the same guy that gives the same effort uh every day that he did, you know, because I used to always say when I first got into coaching that, okay, you know, I worked for Joe Davis at Rafford University, and I thought he worked really hard. Then I got the job at Cornell University, and I worked for Mike DeMint. And I said, whoo, Mike DeMint, he works really hard. And then I got the job at Kansas, and I worked for Roy Williams, and I said, whoa, 
he works really hard. And, you know, so uh, everywhere I've gone, that the head coach has laid it out there and made everybody else kind of um, step up their game. But uh, Coach Williams makes you step up your game in terms of your production and your effort uh, that you give night in, night out. You mentioned that, that Coach Williams coaches players hard and, and the staff is known for, for coaching players hard, but you never hear any player say, I wasn't sure if they care about me. How do you walk that line between coaching them as hard as you possibly can and making sure they know that when they when they walk out of the building, y'all still like them? Well, you know, Coach has always been the, the best at uh, turning turning the light switch on and off. I mean, he can get with a guy, he can, and, and in the same breath can put his arm around you and and make you feel good about yourself, you know. And it's not one of those things where, uh, you know, some sometimes I think coaches in general that, you know, they can get into a person and they carry it for days, you know, oh, I'm just mad at this guy, da, da, da. And, you know, as compared to coach can be – and then it's just like that light switch is off and he's moved on to, you know, he'll smile on his face. And and, and, then, and I can go back to when we were at Kansas and it was, it was like that. And I said, golly, how, he, how does he do that? You know, and, and it, it is, it's, it's an art. It's an art to be able to do that and move through it. And all right, I, I explained what I needed to explain. I told him what I needed to tell him and boom, and not just, Oh, it's just still there, you know. It's just like the uh, the boss who comes in and yells at you because you were productive or something that in your job, and then all of a sudden, you know, you mad at your boss for like two or three days, <laughs> you know, as compared to, all right, I didn't get it done. All right, move on. We just happy, and you know, and life is good. And that that is a big big thing with him, and uh, he's always had that ability to be able to do that. And then the other thing is he's fair. He's fair with our players. You know, he's going to treat them fairly, and you're not going to treat them all the same, but he's going to treat them fairly. Okay, I have two totally different subject kind of random questions. So You're a random kind of guy, yeah, that's but that's right. okay. You know that. So last year, it was last year, right, the Maui trip where you could not, you could not travel with the team, right? right? Right. How difficult of an experience was that for you to be sitting back there at your house here in, in the triangle and having to watch your team play on TV. I drove myself nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that means that I should never quit coaching, you know, cause it was just, that was hard. I mean, you know, I think if you prepared for something like that and over a period of time, okay, I know I'm not going to do this, but the one day and just up, oh, sorry, the next day you can't go. What do you mean I can't go? Can't go to Hawaii? And I'm sorry, right, it, it was a pretty good trip, too. It's, it's not like it was the Puerto Rico shootout. I mean, <laughs> you know, the bad thing about that whole thing was my timing was wrong. I needed to find out I had that blood clot after I got there. Because then I'd have had to stay That's for right, like. stuck there for yeah, a couple I weeks. Couldn't, I couldn't fly for like three weeks or more. So, you know, it would have been, oh, man, that would have been just great. I'd have been, oh, oh I can't leave Hawaii. Man, but no, that, that was hard. It was, it was difficult. Uh, you know, I found out uh, I had new friends in social media. You know, because I started, you know, talking about the game on social media. I had to do something. I was driving my wife nuts and everything else. It was like. You need to go to work or go take a walk around the block. And plus, the games were on so late. I was like, I can't stay up. 
All right, part two of my random question. So both of your sons have competed at Carolina while you have been here. Teron on the baseball team, Denzel on the basketball team. What was that like for you to kind of kind of toe that line, especially with Denzel on, on basketball, kind of toe that line of dad and coach? How, how tough was that? Well, I've been towing that line all my life. <laughs> That's you right. know, I, I know I didn't know enough about baseball to, to really help Teron, but, you know, I still knew – some of the basics that I tried to uh, give him support in terms of what he did, and, you know, playing baseball growing up. Now his mom probably knew more about baseball because since she was taking him and, and around all the different things. So, uh, you know, that was, that was, was special and having him here is special and, you know, him getting a chance to go to the college world series and, and actually play in the college world yeah. series game. I mean, that was just unbelievable to me that we able to, uh, participate that way and uh, so I was I was really happy that he had an opportunity to do that and you know it was uh, equally as special dealing with Denzel on a day-to-day basis I never really got a chance to coach him but uh, having him um, those last two years of his college career and uh, you know just I can just remember you know the different venues that we would go in and I could walk on the floor and and I could see him there and say, hey, you know, it's a pretty neat deal that you and I get a chance to be in, you know, such and such arena and uh, at this game or, you know, because growing up when Coach Williams started letting him sit on the bench, every time there was a timeout and, you know, we're playing in a big game or something at home, I could feel his hand on my shoulder in a timeout and I didn't even have to look. I knew who it was and, you know, and I said uh, – that I hope that someday we'd have an opportunity to do that together. And, uh, and we did. And, uh, so, you know, I feel, I feel completed in terms of, uh, what I've been able to do with my kids along that line. And, uh, I just hope that they got the same kind of emotional kickback that I did from it. What was his senior night like for you? Uh, hard. It was hard. You know, it's kind of a blur, you know, because you got between that and you got the game and, uh, you know, mom's a nervous wreck. She crying before she get out of the house over <laughs> here coming to the to the game, you know, and he's trying to be up downplay it. I'm trying to downplay it and uh but it was so so special and uh a memory uh, of a lifetime for me as a uh as a coach, a memory of a lifetime for me as a person and a dad that uh, uh nothing can ever take that away. I wanna go back to if you don't mind, your time at Florida State. What are the what are some challenges of that job that only somebody who had that job would know? Like what, what makes that a, a hard place right now? Uh, I, I think that, you know, their success um, in the, uh, in football made it, uh, made it difficult because I think you held to those kind of standards and sure. the fans are holding you to that kind of standards. And it, you know, it, you know, we always talk about which comes first, the chicken or the egg. You know, they want you to win. They want you to be success, successful. Um, you know, and I was like, well, I got to have, I need I need fan support. I need, you know, I need you coming to those games other than just when uh, Carolina and Duke comes in. And, you know, bring me that kind of crowd and that kind of energy when we're playing, you know, some other people in our league. And we, we may have a better chance of being successful there. So, uh, that's probably the you know some of the biggest challenges, and then just trying to get it started to you know to recruit. It's it's hard to recruit against 
North Carolina and all of this and what they have and, you know, try to bring in that quality, that same kind of quality player in person as well. You mentioned a, a big part of your job, of course, is going out on the road and recruiting and, and trying to get the next wave of players into Chapel Hill. How has kind of the, the mood in the living room and, and what they're looking to hear from you changed in the time that you've been recruiting college basketball players? Well, you know, I, I think one of the, you know, it's uh, it's different now, you know, because uh, so many think that they are uh, one and done and that, you know, it's that college basketball is is a pit stop. You know, it used to be that, man, I want to play college basketball. And then once they got to college basketball, they tried to determine if they're good enough to play beyond. Now most of them think that they're better than college basketball before they even walk in the door. And so there's where you you run into some some complications. Yeah, some of them are. Uh, but, you know, how about be the best college basketball player you can be first and then – you know, along the way, it's going. We're going. We're going to work together in a, in a marriage and try to help you become the best college player and pro player, as compared to I'm just bypassing the college game and I'm just going to be a pro. How do you find those guys? The the Joe Berries, the Kennedy Meekses, the Tyler Zellers, whoever that are guys who can compete at a really high level but are also guys who you feel like value the college experience and, and would fit in with the type of person that you want at, at Carolina? Uh, you know, it's uh, like sorting through uh, the haystack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got to sort through. We got to do our homework. We got to do our research. We got to find out about kids. You know, uh, we got to develop the relationships and see if that, that kid is a, the type of young man that would fit you know, um, our style of play, uh, what we're about as uh, coaches and, and just the overall well-being of the uh, basketball program. And, you know, and I think that that's part of it. There's a lot of good players out there in the world, and uh, some of them go noticed, some go unnoticed. And uh, But you just try to uh, identify the ones that you think fit your style of play and uh, bring the package that you're looking for as a kid. Uh, on and off the court. Do you have an opinion on the the one and done issue and whether or not you think guys should be able to go pro right out of high school? Um, I think they should be allowed to go right out of high school. I mean, I think if they're good enough and talented enough, you know, but, but you, therein also lies some of the problem with that, you know, that some kids get bad advice and, and think they are, and you know they give an opportunity. They give up an opportunity to one get an education. Secondly, to uh, you know, is the evaluation proper? Is the evaluation you know true? You know, some guys get sold a bill of goods about oh you can make it, and you know, and so you have that story out there in life where uh, we all hear about you know the Kobe Bryant's, LeBron James, but uh, what about those guys that uh, didn't make it and passed up an opportunity to be a, a college player and get an, an, an education through college that have that are kind of nomads that may not have ever played anywhere because they don't know how to practice, they don't know how to prepare themselves, they don't know how to take care of themselves on the court, off the court, you know, and all of a sudden they thrust out in a man's world 
um, how I'm 17 years old and I got to figure it out. Well, some kids don't ever figure it out. And so then they just get brushed aside and we move on to the next mm-hmm. generation, the next group that come out that's right behind them. And it's a, it can be a cold, cold world and a hard, hard experience for some of those kids. And, uh, and unfortunate for them that, uh, uh, those that don't make it that way, it does become very difficult. Part of the reality of recruiting is that you get told no a lot. How do you kind of handle the no's and figure out which no's are telling you maybe you could have done something different and which no's are telling you it just wasn't the right fit? Oh, you get all types. I can, I can to this day, can still remember one of the hardest no's that I ever got was uh, Jimmy King. And Jimmy King chose Michigan over uh, uh, us at Kansas, and that was hard because we know we did a good job. And, you know, that was one of my first ones like that, so I kind of always remember them. And, you know, and, you know, you get the parents to come back and see you later and say, I wish he would, I wish we would have, you know, and that thing. But, you know, it, it happens. And, uh, you know, in recruiting now to this day, the same thing happens. You know, we get some, we, we miss some, and, you know, I try not to look back as much. You know, I, I try to go out and work as hard as I possibly can at all facets of it. And, you know, it's sometimes it's good fit, good marriage, sometimes not. And, you know, those that you don't get, you, we have no idea what they were going to turn out to be anyway. So why do I spend a whole bunch of time worrying about the ones I didn't get? And I got to move forward and try to find the next one that I can possibly get. We've kept you. 30 minutes almost, so don't want to keep you too much longer. Appreciate your time. I think I have this right. You were the you were the first kind of point of contact with Sterling Manley, correct? Were you the uh-huh. – what What did you see in Sterling, who has obviously continued to grow here in his freshman year and doing some nice things off the bench? What What did you see from him as a little bit of an underrated guy who's been able to come in and make an impact? Uh, potential. You know, I just looked at him and saw uh, watching him in – on film and watching him again, so he has some potential. He's long. He can he can run. Look, like he's got pretty decent hands. And uh, you know, I didn't know how big the heart would be and those kind of things. How hard he would work. I knew he had been injured, um, but you know, part of me said, well, he's a guy who's been injured and injured twice, um, but he has put forth the effort to get him back out on the court. So he should know about hard work. Um, but you know, we've probably taken that hard work thing to another level in his <laughs> mind. But uh, uh, you know, he just showed, he, and you know, talking to him on the phone, he, uh, wonderful kid to visit with, great personality, and uh, you know, and, and then we saw him again, and I just said, Coach, I think he's got a chance. You know, I, I don't know how hard he's going to work, how big his heart's going to be, but he has, he has some ability. And now, if he continue to do those things and continue to grow, is Sterling Manley a better player today than what he was when he first walked on this campus? No question. No question. Now he got to continue to grow, and he got to continue to put that uh, effort uh, toward growing. And you know, I am in his ear every day. <laughs> he probably said, "Coach Robinson, don't think I can do anything right." And I just, I cut him no slack. And it's like, you do this if you want. You got to do that, and you got to keep pushing. Got to keep it because I do. I think he needs to be pushed and pushed and pushed. And we need for him to be pushed because uh, we go down the stretch. I think he could be a very valuable young man to what we do. And, you know, just like uh, the game against Syracuse, he had some very productive minutes. And, you know, he's kind of coming with some of that. Now, you know, with that comes expectations. And now with that becomes can you do it consistently uh, throughout the course of the uh, the game or when you're in the game? You know, we're not asking him to play heavy, heavy minutes, but 
uh, when you're in there, give us something positive, and then then that makes it a lot easier for him to say, "Hey, we want to put you back in again." I'm sure when you were at Kansas with Coach Williams, you heard him talking about Carolina, and then when you were at Florida State, you had some perceptions of Carolina and, and interacted with the Tar Heels, of course, on the court. When you got here and lived Carolina, what what was different than what you expected, and what did you experience and say, oh, this I, this is exactly like what I thought it was going to be? Well, we heard so many stories when we were at Kansas about North Carolina, you know, and, and I tell you, this is off the path, and here it's a little different. One of my greatest moments uh, in coaching was Coach Williams asked me when we were at Kansas, hey, we're coming down, we're having a basketball retreat. And uh, we're coming to, we're going to go down to Chapel Hill and I want to, I want to bring you. Oh man, I thought I just, yes, I'm sitting in the room and there's Coach Smith and Coach Guthridge and then you got Eddie Fogler, you know, you got Larry Brown. I mean, I was like, hey, I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. And I, who would have ever thought that, that this guy who grew up playing on the asphalt outdoors on dirt basketball courts and, uh, with tire rims as a as a rim that I'd be sitting in a room with these guys talking basketball and oh, I was just that was some of the greatest moments of my life was to be able to participate in something like that and you know just being a fly on the wall I smiled the whole time they probably thought said Steve what is wrong with you <laughs> nothing I'm just absorbing all of this this is just fantastic man <laughs> all right I've got I've got two more questions. One, the players always complain that you don't call enough fouls during practice. Do you have a response to their complaints? Um, here's my first thing. You know, I'm on the sideline, and so that's not really my job. My job is to look for the offensive emphasis, defensive emphasis, and, uh, you know, that's what I focus on. Now, the, the guys who should be officiating – I hate to throw them under the bus. That's Hubert Davis and Brad Fritz. <laughs> the, no big deal, but it's these guys. These two guys are on the baseline doing that. Look, when I was at Kansas and I started out here in North Carolina, I was that guy on the baseline blowing the whistle, calling the fouls. And uh, so, you know, now I'm like I, I'm a little bit of an older statesman now. I get a chance to do a little bit more coaching than, than the whistle blowing all the time too. So, you know, I've uh, – I've earned that right, so I, that's why I don't call as many fouls. But, you know, if they want to see me on that baseline, they may not like me over there either. <laughs> All right, last thing for me. You guys have just two games left in the regular season, then obviously postseason play. Kind of just your feeling on what needs to happen here moving forward for you guys to be as successful as you want to be as you move through the, the closing stretch here. Just got to keep getting better. You know, just got to keep getting better uh, offensively. We just got to keep getting after people and, you know, and having the consistency on the offensive end of the floor. And, and of course, you know, defense and rebounding. You know, we got to defend, got to slow people down, you know, because you know what it really gets down to? It's get down to that point in games now because nobody wants to lose. And so now somebody's got to get a stop. You know, you, you got to get stopped. It's going to be crucial time periods in the game that create separation. Is you got to get a stop, and then you got to be able to go down and capitalize there, and you got to you got to knock down a shot, and then you got to come back and you got to get another stop. You know, uh, last year's team really grew in the NCAA tournament. You know, mm -hmm. from a defensive standpoint, we really, really grew in guarding people, and you know, because we didn't want to lose. You know, we had a determination that was 
way up here, you know, because of the previous year and not. And they just dialed it in, dialed it in. And every game they dialed it in a little bit more, a little bit more. And that's what that's what it boils down to for us as we go down the stretch is, the, you know, you can't have a greater want to than uh, knowing that everything's on the line. And if you don't get it done, you go home and do inventory. And if you want to continue you got to fight and scratch and claw every possession, every game, every minute of every game. Appreciate Steve Robinson giving us the time here on the Carolina Insider. And Adam, uh, good stuff there from Coach Rob. I particularly enjoyed the story there right at the end about him getting to come to the Carolina Coaches Clinic for the first time and how meaningful that was to him. That was pretty neat. And it, you don't hear a lot about his background, but it was obvious how much it meant to him to have come from where he came from, to be sitting in that room, as he said, uh, with those folks. Uh, I thought he I thought he had a lot of interesting insight, and of course you don't hear from him every day, so you're not as familiar with, with some of the things he says. Um, but some of his insight about this year's team um, and kind of the relationship between he and Coach Williams, uh, that's so interesting to me um, because, as you said, I mean, it's it's just not that often that two coaches are together for that long. So there's something that clicks there. And to hear his perspective on it, I thought was was interesting. So a couple things before we let you go. Tariel's off this weekend, so no games coming up. But two big games next week, senior day on Tuesday. And we jokingly talked about this earlier, but Adam – and that number is getting smaller and smaller. There's still a couple of tickets left for this game, at least as the time of you and I talking about it right now. Um, Joel Berry and Theo Pinson is their last home game. If you have any ability to purchase tickets and be at that game, and I know it's a Tuesday at 9 o'clock. I know that's tough. But if you have the capability of doing it, I would encourage you to go. Those two guys have meant a ton to Carolina basketball on and off the court. I would be strongly surprised if anyone buys tickets to that game and then stays up late, stays after to see the speeches, and then goes, eh, I kind of wish I hadn't gone to that. That's one of those where you're going to be glad you're there in the building because there'll be some video elements that you won't see on the broadcast. You'll be assured of seeing all the speeches because you're never uh, quite sure what you might see on television. Of course you'll hear them on the Tario Sports Network, obviously. Um but it's it's just one of those need-to-be-there type nights, and, and it's an important night. I've heard both Theo Pinson and Joel Berry talk about it, how important it is to them. And so I think it's important that – I mean, it's the last time they're going to run out of that tunnel. They need to see no empty seats. They need to see all people who love Joel Berry, Berry and Theo Pinson Pinson. Um. So there's that, and then there's the season finale at Duke. Oh, that's the season finale this year. The game. regular season game, finale. Game at Duke. Yeah. Tariels yeah. That w- that w- oh, spoiler, in that story that you talked about, that's the mistake Joel Berry made. No. Oh. In, uh, in his social media, he like took off the road uniform and posted something on his Instagram story like, oh, last time I'm going to wear this uniform, it's the last away game. And then one of his teammates saw was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, right away, he goes, oh, I'm going to hear about that one. <laughs> and then uh, Brandon Robbins is like, you know where you're going to hear about it? In Durham. <laughs> so uh, one more one more road game for him. So two big games against tough opponents coming up. 
next week. We will talk about that. We're working on got a got a lot of little guest angles out there floating yeah. about, and we have a very maybe the most dramatic story time ever, <laughs> Adam, coming up on Monday, where we're gonna have fun with uh, with our story time. We've by the way. We've gotten a bunch of good story times the whole time, but it feels like all of a sudden we've gotten this influx of about four or five here in the last day or two of really good story time stories. Um, so we're going to have a really good one coming up on Monday, and if you'd like to join that, it's carolinainsiderpod at gmail.com. You remember on different strokes or facts of life or who's the boss or something where once a season you'd find out, you'd see the ad that there's going to be a very special episode oh, yeah. coming up? This is going to be a very special episode of story time. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Not going to be your average story time. It's going to be a very special story time. By the way, one quick wrap-up what up to Brendan Farron. Sent us an email to the pod account. Want to know if we could give a thank you to Big Grits because Brendan... For my life? Yeah, well, yeah. Bill Walton, Brendan, pod listener, and us. Thanking Big Grits for our life. Um, he said he took a picture with Big Grits before the Syracuse game and really appreciated him taking the time to do it um, right before the broadcast. And he said he would have he wanted to get an arms crossed picture, but Adam was too busy talking to somebody the whole time and he didn't want to interrupt. Good job, Adam. Uh, sorry. And uh, he says he is upstate New York's biggest Tar Heel fan, Brendan. So, Brendan, what up? And thanks, Big Grits, for being so gritty and speaking of that you know how we're gonna get out of here on the carolina insider coach rob oh adam what should i text to 51555 pod oh okay 51555 51555 text pod to 51555 all right here's coach rob getting us out on the carolina insider hi i'm coach rob and I just want to say hello to Big Ritz. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.